Good morning, everybody. You're tuning to the news and morning mixtape. It is Wednesday, September 6th, and I'm your host, Mariana Schwitze, reporting from Map Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. And here are our top stories from today. Freedom Convoy Organizers Trial starts this week in Ottawa. Back to school in Toronto sees issues due to heat wave. And finally, Air Canada apologizes after customers were told to sit in vomit cover seats. And then we'll hear from James with a new episode of Under the Radar and from Nicole with a look ahead for our TIFF coverage. With all this news, let's get started. On this Tuesday, Tamara Lich and Chris Barber, Freedom Convoy protest organizers, appeared before the Crown in Ottawa. According to the National Post, Lich and Barber were part of the original group that mobilized a convoy of big rigs and other vehicles to drive to Ottawa to protest COVID-19 public health orders and a federal Liverpool government, more broadly. Together, they are charged with mischief, counseling others to commit mischief, intimidating and obstructing the police. And Barbara, who owns a trucking company in Saskatchewan, is also charged with counseling others to disobey a court order that banned loud honking in the city's downtown core. Still according to the National Post, the two of them appeared in court this Tuesday and sat quietly on a front bench as the Crown presented its opening arguments. This will be a 16-day trial. In laying out the court's position, Tim Radcliffe, a Crown prosecutor, told the court that Lee and Barber not only counseled people to come to Ottawa, but to remain there, using what the lawyer called their infamous hold-the-line rallying call. He said the pair also pressured decision-makers and exerted control and influence when it came to where vehicles were parked all in the name of achieving the political purpose of ending pandemic health orders like vaccine mandates. Radcliffe said to the court, quote, This case is not about their political views. What's at issue is the means they employed, not the ends. End quote. The Crown hopes to establish that Barbara and Lick work together in lockstep, so the evidence against one of them will apply to both. According to the National Post, about 50 people, including roughly 20 there to support Leek and Barbara, filled the courtroom this Tuesday. Justice Heather Perkins McVeigh say, said given the public interest in the case, she requested the largest courtroom available to allow as many peop people as possible to watch. She also took a moment during the Crown's opening remarks to remind the members of the public in the room that the Crown's opening remarks are not considered evidence, but only its perspective of the case. Before the trial got underway, Redcliffe told the court, the Crown plans to submit more than 100 pieces of evidence and call 22 witnesses, including top Ottawa police and city officials. Former Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson, who was at the courthouse Tuesday, confirmed he expects to be called as a witness. According to the Star, Radcliffe said the Crown intends to demonstrate using 50 videos, including some filmed by Leek and Barbara themselves, that shows they were key organizers of the movement that led to a, quote, occupation around downtown Ottawa. Well, now in Toronto, this Tuesday marked another back-to-school day in the city. In a post-COVID return, free of mandatory masking or social distancing restrictions, many parents' most imminent concern was how schools will handle the heat. According to the Toronto Star, out of the 583 schools of the Toronto District School Board, or TDSB, 117 of them are air conditioning while 243 others have cooling centers in large spaces such as gyms or libraries. TDSB Chair of the Board and Ward 11 Trustee Rachel Kimos 
Lynn said they're ensuring that kids who aren't in a fully air-conditioned building are rotating through cooling spaces. Coinciding with the first week of school, still according to the Toronto Star, the Toronto Police Service is conducting a traffic safety campaign from now until September 10th. This initiative is meant to look out for drivers who speed, drive aggressively, drive distracted or impaired. Officers will also be in school zones targeting those who park illegally or vehicles potentially putting others at risk. And for our last story, Air Canada has apologized after two travelers were told to sit in poorly clean seats that had been allegedly covered in vomit during a previous flight. According to the Toronto Star, two passengers were reportedly escorted off of a flight by security after refusing to sit in wet seats with visible vomit residue. The incident took place on August 26th in an Air Canada flight. In a recent statement to the Toronto Star, a spokesperson for Air Canada said it's launching an internal review into what happened. The company has since apologized to the customers because, quote, they clearly did not receive the standard of care to which they were entitled to. Susan Benson, a passenger on the flight, told the star she remembers smelling something foul as she watched two women and one man in the row in front of her struggle to get seated on the flight from Las Vegas to Montreal. The two passengers complained to a flight attendant that their seats and seatbelts were wet and that, quote, visible vomit residue, end quote, was present in the area. After a back and forth between the passengers, the flight attendant and her supervisor, the travelers asked for blankets to sit on and wipes to clean themselves. As the passengers were getting situated with their blankets and wipes, Benson said the pilot came down to the aisle to speak with the two women. They were given two choices, either leave the plane and arrange new flights on their own dime or, quote, be escorted off the plane by security and placed on a no-flight list. After that, the passengers were escorted off the plane. The incident caused a 30-minute delay, but the flight took off without other issues. In a statement, a spokesperson for Air Canada said, quote, We are reviewing this serious matter internally and have follow-up with customers directly as our operating procedures were not followed correctly in this instance. They later confirmed the passengers were not placed on a no-flight list. Well, that was it for me today, and I'll leave you with James for a new episode of Under the Radar. Good morning. I'm James Kaza, and every week I'm going to bring you a local news story happening now in Toronto that may be flying under your radar. Um, so what's your name? Abe. How much do you pay for rent in Toronto? If you've opened TikTok recently, you may have come across that sound from that voice. This video is by a corporate account for Chexy, a payment system whose mission statement is to make life easier for tenants. They've also posted videos from the same account documenting how crazy the Toronto rental market seems and how ridiculous pricing has got. These videos paint the company in a light of having great sympathy for tenants and will imply shock at the prices tenants pay for rent and a surface-level, don't-you-wish-rent-was-cheaper call to action. But the catch? This is all a ploy from Chexy. So what is Chexy? Simply put, it allows a tenant to pay rent directly by credit card. Upon independent research, I found that Chexy has three main investors, Crossbeam Ventures, Groundbreak Ventures, and First Capital Partners. The issue is that two out of these three main investors also run REITSs, or REITs. These companies make profit by investing in real estate and owning rental units by the hundreds, if not by the thousands. Basically, landlords on steroids. Ricardo Trangin from the Policy Alternative Center calls rights one of the, if not the most directly responsible group for our housing crisis, 
These companies directly profit from raising rents and stop at nothing, including evictions and breaking the law, to do so. So the main funders and investors of Chexy rely on increasing rents to make profit, but it's also worth noting that Chexy makes a percent commission on every single rent payment. So this is worth raising an eyebrow next time you hear Chexy try to be sympathetic to tenants' causes, as really, with profit in mind, they have no reason to be interested in rent being anything other than astronomical. For Met Radio, I'm James Kaza, and this has been Under Your Radar. With this, let's wrap up our news for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Stay tuned for a quick TIFF Look Ahead segment with Nicole. It's Met Radio 12, 8 a.m. in Toronto. I'm Marina Schwitze. Thanks for listening. With the Toronto International Film Festival starting tomorrow, let's take a look at some of the most anticipated events at this year's festival. First up, some of the most interest-sparking film premieres include Anna Kendrick's directorial debut in Woman of the Hour, Close to You, starring Elliot Page, Canadian film Fitting In, and Netflix's original drama Fair Play. In other exciting news, despite the ongoing sag after strike, some stars will be making red carpet appearances, thanks to interim agreements that they reached with their projects. The list of this year's A-listers include Sean Penn and Dakota Johnson for their film Daddio, Finn Wolfhard in Hell of a Summer, and Maya and Ethan Hawke for their film Wildcats. Don't miss your chance to catch your favorite celebs right here in Toronto. Last but not least, this year's festival is bringing us multiple musical acts and films, including Nickelback's documentary Love to Hate Nickelback. The iconic Canadian band will also be attending the festival, giving a free concert at the Tiff Street Festival on September 8th. But that's not all the musical fun. The premiere Little Nas X Long Live Montero is happening on September 9th at Roy Thompson Hall. Whether you're a film buff, festival goer, or are just looking for something to do in the city this weekend, don't miss this year's incredible Toronto International Film Festival from September 7th to the 17th. 